I want to ask you to turn in it with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Book of Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read a couple of verses and pray. And if you get there, say amen. amen. <laughs> All right, Brad. Brad said, hurry up. He's waiting. But anyway, I hope you got a copy of God's Word because it's hard to follow and study without one. I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's like going hunting without your gun, fishing without your pole. It's like going to play golf without your clubs. It don't work. But today we are going to be looking at something that I think will be beneficial to us all. I don't know about y'all, but ain't it good today to know that we serve a God who is alive. Jesus, though he died for our sins, though he was buried, three days later he rose again. But not only was he resurrected, he was ascended. And he sits on the throne, not a throne, alive and well today with all authority and power given unto him. He's over it all. It's all under him. Not a bird falls from a tree without his permission. He knows the hair on every head. He knows every thought you've thought. He knows your heart. And still, he's willing to save us. If you look here this morning, a wonderful truth. If you connect it with him, the living God, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're alive today too. But everyone separated from him, not in right communion with him, never been saved by him. You are dead as the church mouse. You have no spiritual life. You have no claims to anything that God has to give except for salvation through the cross. And the day as we look here, it's a vivid reminder for Paul speaking to a church, the church of Ephesus. He says in verse 1 of chapter 2, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Remember what it was like before he came into your life in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You were like all these other idiots. According to the prince of the power of the air, you belonged to Satan and he ruled you. He played you like a puppet because you were nothing but flesh and you had no spiritual life. Therefore, you had no spiritual power. And he says right there, that you who he's made alive in which you once walked, you used to walk, alluding to you don't anymore walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. A saved person, born again, he will occasionally trip and fall. He will occasionally sin, but he will not be a son of disobedience. He will not live a lifestyle of disobeying the obvious truths of God. And he says right here, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. And by grace you have been saved. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for life, not physical life, not that our bodies are breathing this morning and our hearts are pumping, but that our soul, our spirit is alive because we've been in contact and we are in communion with you. 
And Lord, when we were dead like the rest of the lost world, only a flesh, no spirit, not born again yet, dead to the things of God because we were dead to the life of God, you made us alive together in Christ. And Lord, today I want to thank you and I want to celebrate the life of God in Christ Jesus that gives us power over the flesh and helps us to live a life not like everyone else, but that through you, Lord, you help us and you show us and you lead us by your spirit. Lord, today would you speak and help us to see and understand. And Lord, I know there's people here today who need to be saved, who need to be made alive. They're good people. They believe in you, but they've never been born again. Lord, today I pray that someone would be truly saved. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says right there, and you he made alive. We were dead. (laughs) Who once were dead in your trespasses and sins. And then he says right down there a little further down in verse 5, even when you were dead in trespasses and sins, he made you alive together in Christ. Friends, there's nothing like the day that God comes into a person's life. When you are truly redeemed and you are saved, it's much more than you made a decision to walk an aisle, you got your name written on a, a membership, and you got dumped in some water. Today you truly meet Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, and his blood redeems you and washes you and cleanses you and makes you a vessel worthy for him to live in. He puts his spirit in you, the Bible says. And you're born again according to Jesus. And Jesus said, that which is flesh is flesh and that which is spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that you must be born again. Because friends, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom of God, but you can't even participate In the things of God, because you're spiritually dead in your sin. And every single person in the world outside of Christ lives spiritually dead every day. His prayer life is nothing but a ritualistic, religious activity. It has no connection with God because he's first going to have to be saved. And friends, if you look right here, you can look at me and see the results of living a life dead without sin. Look around us today. Does this not describe it? In which you once walked according to the course of this world. Friends, when you're saved, you're not going to walk and think and act like the course of this world. According to the course of the prince of the power of the air, the devil himself. And look at what he says at the bottom of that. Who now works in the sons of disobedience. Just like the Spirit works in us to help us live the life of God. To help us live a spiritual life. The devil works in you if you are not saved today. And he works to make you disobedient to the things of God. And he's very good at it. And it's impossible to live a life that honors God. That blesses you. And experiences the spiritual life that God has waiting for us until he makes you alive. And friends, anyone who gets saved later in life knows the difference he makes. That's why I'll say it to the day I die. If you're wondering if you got born again, you ain't born. (laughs) Because when you are in the flesh and you're just a, a child of wrath under the hand and control of the devil living like the rest of the world... And then he puts life into you. You're not going to wonder if that happened. 
And people tell me all the time, I didn't have an experience like you. Hey, I, my experience is the, if you got born again, whether you were six years old like Izzy this week or 60 years old, if the Spirit of God came in you, you're going to be a different animal, my friend, than the rest of the world. And we want to water down the Bible to ease our conscience when we look around at everybody who claim to be a Christian, but they're on the same course as the world. They're living just like the devil would want them to live instead of like Jesus would want them to live. And we say, well, they're on the membership. They've been baptized five times. When my Bible tells me if he made you alive, you're not going to be that way. He said, you once walked, alluding to the fact you don't anymore. Not that we don't make mistakes, not that we don't get in sin, but you won't stay there, my friend, because listen, he's going to give you help against your flesh. The fallen nature in this fallen world under this evil dictator Satan has no chance at all. And that's what you're seeing happening to the country. It ain't politicians. It's a lack of God. America is spiritually dead. Our cities are spiritually dead. Our, our communities are spiritually dead. Our schools are spiritually dead. And our churches, if you're honest, are spiritually dead in much more cases than we want to admit. Because if God's in our life and he's doing what we're going to look at right here, he's going to give you the spiritual life to live his life. But most of us is settled long ago for the world's version of church. And you know, as you look right here with me, he says, among whom we also, look at verse 3, conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Friends, all these people who have lived this way, and I'm guys, think about the church today. The church has succumbed to immorality that is to such proportions that it is heresy for what our churches endorse, practice, and allow their members to participate in on a regular basis and say they're not only in good standings with themselves, but they're in good standings with a holy God who gave his only son to shed his holy sinless blood so that they could be saved from that garbage they promote as an okay lifestyle with God. And we sit around and we want to look at them little churches and put down on them, but they're in our churches. You don't have to be immoral to be carnal. The Bible gives you a list of what the carnality is that will keep you out of heaven. And friends, if you listen to it, there's much more of it in here this morning than we want to admit. He says, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry. Idolatry is anything that has got more of your heart and is more important to you than Jesus Christ. And Jesus, in most of our lives today in the church, he ain't only second, he ain't even third. And he sure ain't first. And friends, listen, idolatry, it, it comes from being lured to something and desiring something besides God. You know the biggest thing that does that? Materialism covetness wanting the things of this world and the comforts of this life more than him and the eternal life that God wants to give you and we are much more concerned with our inflation than we are about our degradation into depths of sin that's unimaginable even in the house of God this morning we're much more focused on a vote that ain't going to change nothing because it won't change one flesh lost dead sinner that's what we pray about. That's what we talk about. 
And I love America. But guys, you better start waking up. America is dead. Your prayer ain't going to change a dead politician and make him godly. Your prayer ain't going to change a society and a culture that is dead in sin till he gets a revival and a spiritual awakening. People get saved again. You see, I don't know about you, but I was just like them. I thought like them. I promoted what they promote. I was going down the same path as them. But one day something happened to me and God made me alive. He put something in me that won't go away. Can I get an amen? Do you know what I'm talking about, church? Is there anybody in here born again this morning? Is there anybody's spirit that won't let them quit, that won't let them give up? I don't know about y'all, but that song, my Savior can move mountains. My Savior, my friend, he's awesome because he puts life into that which is dead. And friends, if you sit here and this is like, what's he talking about? Maybe you need to get saved this morning. Because listen to what he says here in this text. He says, not only is idolatry, but sorcery, hatred, Hatred and contentions, contentions and hatred, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. That's pretty common in church today, in the good ones, the ones that we would consider conservatives. He says, ambitions and selfish dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness and revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice this, those who or this is a way of life, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But guys, they got people in church that talk about one another, backstab one another. They have all these selfish ambitions to do what they want to do instead of what God wants. And it's all about them and it ain't about him. And it's all about if I don't get my way, I show out. And they have all of these things going on that's exactly described by what I just read. But if you're alive, you're going to be filled with the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, self-control, patience and kindness and goodness. That's what happens when a person is alive and the Spirit is working in and through him. And friends, listen, Paul goes on and look at what he says. He says, he raised us up in verse 6 together when we were dead and he made us sit together. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his king kindness toward us in Christ. It says, if you look right up above there in verse 5, even when we're dead in trespass, he made us alive together in Christ. How did he do it? By grace. He saved us. That's what verse 5 says. He says, not only did he save us by grace, but all of eternity is looking toward celebrating what his grace done when he says right there in verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us that is in Jesus. And then he tells us this verse that we all know. For by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves it is a gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast. Guys, You're not saved by works, but you're saved for works. Just like those who are dead in sin, they are living out the works of the flesh and they are walking and down the course according to the course of this world. They're walking the course according to what the prince of the power of the air does. The spirit who now, look at what it says in that verse, verse 2. The spirit who now works, works in the sons of disobedience. 
Friends, it's true. You can't do a thing to get yourself saved except believe by faith in what God did for you already. Jesus died on the cross for you. He gave his life for you. He shed his blood for you. We are redeemed by his blood and provided forgiveness and saved by his grace. And grace, my friend, is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. You just simply ask for it by faith. He gives it to you, and that's when he puts life into you. The life of God. And when that life comes into you, any man who be in Christ has got that life. That's why he's a new creature. That's why old things are passing away and that's why all things are becoming new. That's why he's not walking down the course according to the world. That's why he's not under the control of the prince of the power of the air. That's why the devil's not able to work in him as a son of habitual disobedience. He's not going to fall to the prey of heresy and the lure of biblical lack of integrity. He's going to stand on the word of God and he's going to believe in truth. And he's going to trust Jesus. And he's not going to compromise at a whim. And he's going to fear with a good, awesome respect and reverence to God. And he's going to realize that there's consequences. Sin brings deadness. And friends, listen, that life that he put in us is the Spirit of God. You could take the Scriptures, there's no sense in trying to waste time proving this point. Jesus said, except you're born again by the Spirit, you ain't even getting to go to heaven. So how are you going to experience what heaven has to wait for us here on earth if you're not born again? That the first sermon preached at the day of Pentecost, this is what Peter said. They said, They were cut to the heart and they said, brethren, what must we do? And he said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent and be baptized and you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, it's impossible to live a godly life, a Christ life, a Christian life without the aid and help of the life of God that he puts in us. Thank God he loves us enough to put his life in us. You see, just like the devil's at work in the sons of disobedience who are carnal and fleshly and worldly and they're just full of the corruption of the fallen nature that we inherit when we're born with it, the devil is using everybody who is outside of Christ to help promote his agenda. Well, guess what? Now, if you get saved by grace, it's not by your works. You can't earn it. It's a gift. It was totally free. But God is going to be at work in you now. Look what it says, the next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Why? For you can go to church and sit in a pew and listen to a preacher and go home Sunday after Sunday and never change. Never make a commitment to the lordship of Christ and to the body of Christ and to serve him and give him headship over you as the head of his church. No, he's at work in you, just like the devil's at work in those of you who ain't saved this morning. That's why you got all these secret sins that if we found out about, you'd probably stay home. And friends, we all got secrets, but lifestyles like we see today that are accepted, even applauded, friends, it breaks my heart to see where we've come and where we've fallen when God's give us life That helps us to do above and beyond being like everybody else. You know what we do? We look at the person on this side and on this side and we compare ourselves much more to them than you do the word of God.
You're much more led by your other Baptist than you are the Holy Spirit of God in most people's lives. We're much more committed to the things we love here more than the things we're supposed to love there if we're honest. And friends, Jesus is it. (laughs) There's nothing better you could ever get than Jesus. If you got him, you got all you need according to what he tells me. And you know what I find? The more him I get, the more I'm satisfied. The more the world and the more what it has to offer I get, the less satisfied I am. The more that I give to Christ, the more fulfilling and the more purposeful life begins. The more I take from him and give to the world, the more unsettled and restless I become. Since I got saved, it's different than it used to be. I can't go back to dope. I can't go back to drinking. I can't go back to the things I've tried. I'm not saying you can't taste a taste of it, but when you go back, it ain't like it used to be if the Spirit of God lives in you. Because you're no longer dead. You're alive. A person who has been born again cannot revel and enjoy sin. It's impossible. You might do it and you might feel good, but the moment you do it, you're miserable. I've tried it. If you can be happy and content and sin is satisfying and fulfilling to you, you need to get a good dose of Jesus this morning. If you can sin and it don't bother you, and friends, that's where we are today in the church, much less our society and culture. You see, the problem is not that we got the wrong people in control. It's what is in control of those people. May I tell you, it ain't God. That they don't have the life of God in them. That's why they can act the way they act. But guys, look at what he says. We are his workmanship. Look at verse 10. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now my question is, what are the good works that God prepared that we should walk in them? Well, they ain't the things of the world. Amen. And they're not things that the world has brought into the church. You see, the church is supposed to be invading the world. And if you look around, the world has invaded the church. We're supposed to be influencing culture, and culture has influenced us. And God has not changed, nor will he ever change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is true. It will forever be the same. They can corrupt it. They can change it. Do you believe that in the Southern Baptist Convention last year, A big mega church that blesses the Southern Baptist Convention with a lot of money ordained three women. Three women. Y'all heard of Purpose Driven Church? It's purpose driven, all right. And that pastor stood at our convention this year and shook his fist, not really his fist, but thumbed his nose at us as a convention And said, who are we to say he can't ordain women? Well, it ain't us. It's in the Bible. He needs to tear about three pages out to do it. And no one said a word to him. They formed a committee to discuss where do we stand biblically and doctrinally on associate pastors and senior pastors. That ain't in the Bible. You're either an elder or you ain't. You're either ordained by God or you're wasting your time ordaining him here. And friends, it's coming. It's getting in our church. Racism, compromising to people, not willing to stand against something like critical race theory, which is obviously unbiblical. 
And it was a, a resolution written by a godly pastor who wrote that resolution, but it went to a committee, the resolution committee of the Southern Baptist Convention, and they decided they didn't like the way he worded it. They changed it, and everyone agrees it was rewritten. 60% of the original resolution did not exist by the time it was presented to be accepted by us. And it doesn't speak against, I mean, for critical race theory, but it doesn't speak against it. And friends, if you've looked and checked out critical race theory, we don't need a committee, a resolution committee telling us how to determine what's racism and what's not. God tells us that in the word of God. We don't need another doctrinal belief called critical race theory brought into the church. The church needs to be bringing our understanding of what the Bible says about relationships one to another and how we love each other to them. But it's going to get washed out. It's already happening to us now. John MacArthur, who is, whether you want to support him for who he is, but he is a godly man. He's preached for years. He's got a big church. God's blessed him. He's one of the most doctrinal, sound um, pastors you're ever going to deal with. He said that we will live to regret the day that we didn't stand against that resolution. He said, because once you open the door, he said, Satan is coming in. And he's going to continue to win one doctrinal victory over another one until we are corrupted like everybody else. But you know what he also said? But it's a miracle y'all have lasted anyway. Most of them fell starting 60 years ago. The Southern, Comeback, Southern Baptist Convention is about the last of the doctrinal pure denominations. And friends, listen, today... When God is at work in us, he's going to work to make us live a life that is doctrinally sound and healthy. That's in line with this Bible. He's going to work to make you a holy person, set apart and separated, sanctified, not a compromiser, not a fence sitter. And friends, you know, when he goes to work at you, if you're wondering, there's three things he shows us in this text that are easy to see. That because we have life in us, we don't have to live like the world. We have a choice. We can choose every day to walk in the spirit or walk in the flesh. You can choose to live a spiritual life or a carnal life. And every time you choose carnality, every time you choose sin, you grieve the spirit of God in you and you weaken the life of God in you and you leaken yourself as a person who can live a godly life. And you give sin strength. The Bible says not only can we grieve the Holy Spirit by continual disobedience, but you can disobey God to the point that you quench him in your life. That's why it's dangerous to sin. Sin causes death, even in a believer. And you see, some of us ain't got the power no more. Because you ain't dealt with your sin lately. You ain't got right with God to where his life can manifest and have freedom and liberty to grow in you unabated by sin let me give you an example brother marty was here last wednesday how many of you seen he had his boat down here that's a beautiful boat amen it's pretty high dollar boat he hadn't been using it and taking care of it and he every now and then he would get in it and go fishing <laughs> he decided to go fishing he got a week's vacation he went out in it and the trolling motor was dead it wouldn't run at all so he calls Richard. Richard, could you fix my boat? I'm coming to church tonight. When I get there, will you look at my boat? Richard looked at his boat. You know what the problem was? His batteries was dead. You know what's wrong with some of you sitting out here this morning? Your spiritual life is dead, friend. That's why you're sitting dead in the water. You have potential 
to have a, you are beautiful like that boat. It has all kind of potential to fish and accomplish the things it was created to do. You have so many things that you were created and saved to do, but you can't do them no more because you're dead. You've grieved God's spirit and his life is not working in you like it should. And then you may not be wired right because guess what? You've got to do it according to the instructions. Can I get an amen? He went and got three brand new batteries. He brought them back. Richard, who knows more about it than me and Marty put together, looked at it, wired it, said, I don't know who wired this, but this is a 36 volt, and they got it wired as a 24 volt, and this ain't wired right. He said, that's the way I have it. That's the way it's always been. Leave it like that. We went fishing the next day, and that big old motor wouldn't do nothing, Harley. I was like, man, my motor in my little boat is nowhere near big as this one, and it runs better than this one. Come to find out, he went to a dealer the next day after with us, and he said, man, this boat ain't wired right. It's wired on 24 volt. You see, you've got to do it right. You've got to do it the way God says to do it. As long as you didn't wire it the way it was supposed to be wired, it was never going to work the way it was intended to work, and you was going to have less power than you had access to. So some of us is running on 24 volts when you got 36 volts. Marty said, man, I had it. it's been that way the whole time I bought it. I went out there and almost threw me out the boat. <laughs> you see, we got power. To live a life that when people look at it, we're not like the world. We ain't on that course. We're not under the power of Satan. We are over him. We're no longer sons of disobedience. We're sons and daughters of obedience to the King of kings, to the Lord of lords. We don't live selfish lives to gratify flesh. We're not here for the lust of our own desires. We're here for him. And we want him to be honored. We want him to be glorified. We want the church to be blessed, not me. As long as you are thinking about church, about you, 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 you are in the flesh. As long as church is always what it ain't got instead of what it does have, you are carnal. Because when you get in the spirit, I don't care how bad it gets. When you write with God, you're going to see the blessings of God. You're going to be able to say, I don't like where I'm at, but I'm sure thankful I ain't where I used to be. And I'm thankful I ain't stuck here. Because I'm alive, and my God is alive, and I'm just passing through. I ain't stuck. How about you? My God can move me tomorrow. He can do whatever he wants with me anytime he wants. When you give him permission, and you surrender, and say, here I am, God. Send me. You're never trapped. But many of us are trapped because you're powerless this morning. Now, friends, I want you to see what he can do through his power. And he does it through his power. Turn over to chapter 3. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14 of chapter 3. Listen to what Paul says he's praying for him. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. From whom the whole family, that's us, in heaven and earth is named. That we, listen to this, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be, don't miss it, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You know why Paul's praying that for him and bailing the knee? Because he knows they're saved. They've been made alive. The life of God is in them. Now, they may not be experiencing it, so he's praying for them too. And he's saying, I'm praying that you, according to the riches of his glory, would be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Look at verse 20. 
Now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I want to ask you today, Mr. Christian, where's your power? How you doing? Don't let me judge you. Grade your own paper. But grade it honestly. Grade it to where when you get through checking it off that your, your rapture day ready. <laughs> that your judgment day honest. Because he's coming soon. He ain't coming to get dead people, folks. He's coming to get people who he's made alive. And he ain't going to use dead people. Religious people. People who are not in relationship with him, who aren't on a daily communion with him. You see, if you want this life in you, you got to connect to Jesus like a branch to a vine. you got to have a true communion and a true connection with Christ on a regular basis. And that's what he says when you're connected to me. He said, you can do all things, but when you're separated from me, you can do nothing. And friends, listen what he says that we can do. He says that we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared beforehand already. You say, well, what are those works? Look at chapter 5, verse 1. The number one thing he wants us to do is in verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as his dear children. Your daddy in heaven wants you to act like him. He wants you to look like him. As a matter of fact, he made it possible that you can even be like him. Can I get an amen? I don't make a Baptist shout this morning. Wake up. Get out of your dead stupor. You're in religion. That's why you're bored. That's why we come to church and we go through the motions. It breaks my heart. Who would want to come to a church when we're just getting by? We're in decline, but everyone just wants to ignore it. Friends, I don't know about you, but if I'm sick, I want a real diagnosis. <laughs> Show me what's wrong with me, Doc. And then show me what I got to do to fix it. Obviously something's wrong around here. Because it ain't what it used to be. Although it ain't as bad as it could be. Praise God. That we got the spirit of God here. But I want you to show you what God says we can do in his power. He says that he wants us in verse 1 to imitate him. How does he want us to do that? Look at the first thing he says that we're to walk in. Walk in love. Walk in love. Now, that sounds easy, but that's the hardest thing you'll ever do. See, ain't talking about what you call love. You're backslidden, stabbing you in the back. I love you to your face, but when you ain't around, God help you. That ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about you love them the way Christ loved you. With all their fallacies, with all their weaknesses, with all their blemishes, you love them. Look at what he says. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Look at the verse right above that. Remember that wasn't a chapter breakup. Verse 32 says, and be kind to one another. Tender hearted to one another. Forgiving one another. Even as God in Christ forgave you. I've experienced less forgiveness in the church when someone gets crossed up with you than in the bar rooms. I used to run them bars. We'd get in a fight. I got scars under my eyes. People's knocked me out. I had to get picked up and woke up. Next week, I go in there and I see them. I'm like, well, I wonder if we're going to fight again. Come here, cook. Man, come here. I'm going to buy you a beer. I'm sorry. I was just drunk and upset last week. Let's, let's make up. But in the church, you cross somebody up, it's done. <laughs> it's over. 
They don't get their way. You can be their favorite preacher. One sermon, you're their less favorite preacher. And we're going to act like we of God? That we love like God? The minute you don't fulfill what they expect and do what they want, you ain't loved. The church, my friend, when we are at our worst, is when we should love them the most. I was listening to an interview with Billy Graham about homosexuality. And what was that Jewish? He's dead now too. He was a, a, a big time newsman. I can't remember his name. Jewish. He was famous. He used to do all the interviews. He's, y'all wouldn't know him if you seen him. He ain't Paul Harvey. He, Paul Harvey was a Christian. This guy wasn't. But anyway, he asked him. He said, well, Billy Graham, what would you do if your child was a homosexual? And you know what Billy Graham, after telling him exactly what the Bible says, he said, I would do everything in my power to love them the most. That's an awesome answer. I would do everything in my power. You know, when people mess up, when we need to love them, you know what we do in the Baptist church? Let's finish them off. They're wounded. Let's put them out of their misery. Let's talk about them where they'll never come back. (laughs) That's what we do in the Baptist church. But we say we love like God. I don't know about y'all, but God had every right to send me to hell. He's had every right since I got saved to change his mind and say, you're going anyway. But he keeps loving me. How about you? So we're supposed to walk in love. When the world sees an unconditional love like Christ, they'll want to come to our churches. But not only does he give us the power to love that way, to forgive that way, he also tells us to walk as children of light in the truth. Whenever we compromise, whenever we go against something that's knowingly against the word of God, that's darkness. And look at what he says when you look down in verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You know what? I've showed people and showed them in the Bible In every church I've pastored, exactly what the Bible said and what you're doing is exactly opposite of what this says. And they never even checked up. But I'm their pastor. Friends, I don't know about you, but if a pastor shows you what the scriptures say and you're going in the dark direction instead of in the light, you might better make a U-turn. And friends, listen, he says that we're to walk as children of light. You know what Jesus said? I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. What is the light of life? The life of God. The power of God in our life. And friends, today, as we walk with the Lord, and we obey him, and we walk in the light, he's with us, and he helps us, and he strengthens us. But you know the problem today? We hear all this, but we don't take it to heart. We don't really see what it's causing us to not walk in the light, to not always walk in love, to live in disobedience, to to not live a spirit-filled life. And we don't repent. We, we, We don't feel any conviction by Scripture. And the Bible tells us this last time that not only are we to walk in love, Paul said not only are we to walk in truth, the light, but we're to walk in wisdom. We're to walk as wise men and not fools. And friends, the life of God in you is not going to leave you ignorant. If you want to know the truth, God's going to make sure you have the truth. If you want to love people like God, he's going to give you the heart to love people like him. 
And friends, the problem is we walk through life carelessly, not carefully. And look at what he says, the last thing I want to show you this morning, and then we're going to pray. He says in verse 15, verse 14, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You see, you don't have no reason. This morning, you need to wake up out of your sleep. I hope I woke you up. I hope you got stirred up if you've been in sleep. Arise from your deadness, and Christ will give you light. Look at what he says. So then, so then that you walk circumspectively, and not as fools, but as wise. What he's saying in that, if you have an NIV, it says that you walk very carefully, and not as a fool. Walk very carefully and not as a fool. Friends, I'm here to tell you, if you just live a life that you don't even check up to see if it's in accordance to God, if it's pleasing God, he says that the things of the light are goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. If you just do whatever you want and you don't worry about what God thinks about it, you're going to find yourself out of his will really quick. And I know this ain't nothing you want to hear, but it's the truth. Because I want you to look at what he says there. So then, that you walk circumspectively, very carefully, not as fools, but as why? Redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many of you admit the days are evil? If you're not going to walk circumspectively, very carefully, if you're not going to redeem the time, what's he mean by redeem the time? He means, if you look at another translation, to take advantage of the opportunity of the day. To, to, to make opportunities count. And God's give you opportunity every day to do the right thing, to be spirit-led. Look at what he goes on and says. He says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What the, the will of the Lord is for us to live spiritual lives that honor him. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. You know, today, when we look around... The biggest problem, I believe you could say, when you look into society, is there is a big lack of the life of God in our nation. We took him out of the schools. We took him out of the courtrooms. But if we're honored, we've taken him out of our homes and our families. We've given him just enough to get from him what we want but we're not willing to give him what he wants. What does he want? Our heart. You know what the Bible says? In Colossians, almost identical to what we were looking at, it's just in Colossians' version of it, Paul wrote, and whatever you do, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever you do. And he says, and do it with all of your heart. Now, how many of us do everything we do as if it is unto the Lord Jesus and we do it with all of our heart? But how many of us want all of his power, all of his blessings, all of his favor? Friends, I'm not God. I just know he put this, spirit, this sermon on my heart. But I am telling you that when you are living a life that is not approved by him, that grieves his spirit, that quenches his spirit, you're going to be no different than the rest of the world. And friends, today, you're not going to ever win this fight if you're not saved. So I'm just going to offer the opportunity. If you've never been born again, I'm not talking about you made a commitment, you joined a group or youth group or a church member, but if you don't know for sure you're born again, you can either be saved by grace 
and he will make you alive. Alive is more than just going to church. Alive is when you wake up, God's there with you. When you lay down, God's with you. How many of you have ever tried to get away from Jesus? It's impossible. See, I make mistakes. I go the wrong direction, but I wake up and he's there with me. Because he's a shepherd. He don't save you today and get rid of you tomorrow. When he saves you, you're his. And he's going to work in your life. But friends, listen. God loves you today. He wants to give you life. He'll save you and put something in you where you'll never be the same again. If you just come and trust Jesus. For the rest of us, I hope that your life is filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Because it can be if you just want to ask Him to give it to you today and repent. Father, we're going to pray. We're going to stand together. We're going to have a time of invitation. And Lord, I don't know about what you think. But Lord, when I look at the church today, we have so much potential. We have so much opportunity But, Lord, we're not redeeming the time. We're not walking carefully, circumspectively. Lord, we're wasting day after day, week after week, month after month, serving you with a half-hearted commitment. Lord, you can beg people to help in the church of the house of living God today, and no one volunteers. You can pray and pray for leaders to rise up and stand and help to do the work of ministry. And you wake up day after day by yourself. Lord, I'm calling on you to touch this church. Touch the whole church. To wake up those who are asleep and dead in sin. And those who don't have the life of God in them. And let them see before it's everlasting too late. That there is an eternal hell. And that there is a life that you can waste even as a Christian when you don't surrender to Christ. Lord, I know it's hard to repent. But, Lord, you say that your goodness leads us into repentance. And I'm praying today for people to rise up to serve you here, to honor you here, to walk in love, to walk in the light, to walk carefully and not like the world. Help us to be lights shining in this darkened world that people might be drawn to Christ. Forgive us where we fail you, Lord, and help us and turn us to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.